Hello there, this is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Today's message is titled, How to Navigate Your Relational Options. How to Navigate Your Relational Options options. My target audience consists of the young ones among us who are about to date or already dating someone they consider special as well as those who have burned their fingers in this regard and are willing to let God help and guide them. As I was walking into the church this morning I had the person leading saying, help me to use my will right. Something to that effect. And many times we think our will is ours. And we can use it the way we choose. But God gave you a will for only one purpose. And the moment you miss that purpose, every other thing can fall in line. God gave you a will for what? One purpose. Let me ask you, my dear young lady. I'm not asking about whether you are dating or not, so relax. Okay, I'm not asking such questions. I don't embarrass people. Did you choose your father? I can hear you. No, sir. Did you choose your mom? No, sir. Did you choose your gender? Whether you're male or female? You're female? Did you choose that gender? No. Did you choose the country of your birth. You didn't. Did you choose your siblings? <laughs> Did you choose your nursery school? Did you choose your primary school? <laughs> what then will you ever choose? Union secondary school and my husband. You will choose your husband. Okay. See, this is how it's all for every one of us. God did not allow us to choose our parents. They not allow us to choose our siblings. They not allow us to choose the country of our birth, the day we were born, our gender, and the day we'll die, except you choose to commit suicide. Uh, which simply means you have never given your life to God, because if you have given your life to God, you have no right to take it back. So if all those things were chosen by God, why do you think you have a right to choose your spouse? We can go back at the very beginning. Did God allow man to choose his spouse? I'm sorry for asking you this question. It's kind of embarrassing because we all sat and made up our mind to choose who we will marry. And we have forgotten that God gave us our will for only one purpose, to choose his will. The day you yield your will to his will is the day you stop sinning. For if a man wills to do the will of God, he will understand the doctrine, the principle for living. And we have not taught our children as well how not to choose their husbands or wives, but to let God choose for them. This is home for me, so I'm going to feel at home whether you like it or not. For this one hour, the microphone is in my hand. 
When I finish, you can say your own. Is that okay? The privilege I have because of my relationship with the father and the mother of the house. And I will exercise it well. But look around you and see how marriages are falling apart. Even in the church. Falling apart. Number one, it was not man's idea to be created. To start with. See, where I'm going, I want to let you see that marriage as conceived by man and marriage as practiced by men are pulled apart. This is the center of our problem. Marriage as conceived by God and marriage as practiced by men pulls apart. There is nothing in scripture to show us a man applied to God to create him. The council of heaven met and for the first time the subject us was introduced to us. Let us. Before this time, everything was created by the word of his power. Let there be light, there was light. Let there be firmament. Let there be sea. Let there be fish. Everything was. Then he got to man. He said, he's going to be a tripartite person just like us. So let us create man in our own image and after our own likeness. And let us give them. Say them. I can't hear you. Them. Them means more than one. Let us give them dominion over everything we have created. The Bible says male and female created them. Then the Lord blessed them. Not him. Then the Lord bless them. You know, I'm praying for my wife to become so super rich so that I can sit at home and she can go and walk. It's almost too late because she, she will say, mm, that's your department. Now, that does not mean she doesn't work. Her work is greater than mine because she's raising five amazing souls. I'm joining in it too. The Lord blessed them, and the Lord said unto them. How did the Lord bless them? He said. Do you wonder how we speak to ourselves and what we say to ourselves? The Lord said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. He pronounced those blessings on both of them. The father passed the baton to the son, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And you would think only one person was walking on the face of the earth. The one man there is mankind. The one man there is not singular. The one man there is Adam, which means mankind. Are you with me? So when God said later that it's not good for man to be alone, what he was saying is, I've created everything is good, is wonderful. But this man cannot be all in one. 
I need to make him a help meet for him. Is this, is this morning message a marriage seminar? No. It's about you. It's about me. Because if you look through the entire Bible, Pastor, and I know you know this, that from Genesis to Revelation, the word institution was only mentioned once. And it relates only to marriage. The Bible calls the holy institution of marriage. Because no other institution in the world can stand without the products of marriage. Do you understand me? I come from a family, you come from a family. It's the institution that supplies other institutions. And God did not want it to be upside down. So, one man was fast asleep. This is why I don't understand why men want to understand their wives. I just don't get it. Uh, uh, Apostle almost got me into trouble a few days ago. I quickly excused myself from the trouble. <laughs> Good trouble. Hmm? Are you with me? How do you want to understand the person that was being created while you were sleeping? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am. But even God himself sometimes finds it difficult to please you. He gave you hair. You develop attachment. He gave you nail. You had to fix something to it. He gave you eyebrow. You have to remove it and put pencil on your own. So God himself. <laughs> why do you expect me to understand my wife? No, the Bible does not say understand you. It says dwell with her according to knowledge. And that knowledge is not from University of Cambridge or from Oxford is revelation knowledge. The same way Adam woke up from sleep and knew this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was brought out of man. Who told him that? Revelation knowledge. That's the only way you can live. You understand me? I'm talking to all of us, but I want to focus attention on my young people. Are you already engaged? Are you married? You're just engaged now. Okay. Let me, let me not go there. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. Have you noticed that on a wedding day, when people walk in, they call them what? The bride and the... I can't hear you. You know that. What do we call them? The bride and the groom. Why not husband and wife? My senior apostle here, <laughs> because he looks like an apostle, he said, because you're not married yet. Question, before that day, have they done what married people are doing? I'm not going there, I'm just asking questions. The reason they are not called husband and wife is not because they are not married. That's part of it. The major reason is because it would take the groom to do his work on the bride for her to become a wife. He will have to groom her. I'm not sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying she was not properly raised, but you are coming from different worlds. For example, when my wife became my wife, she stepped into my bathroom, and early in the morning, she said, why do you press your toothpaste in the middle? 
Hello. Is anybody listening here? I said, press toothpaste in the middle. He said, yeah, you're supposed to stand from the bottom and be rolling. I said, it is my toothpaste. <laughs> you see how little foxes destroy divine little things like that? Now, let me, let me start by this way to see whether we are really doing it as God planned and purposed. How long was the courtship of Adam and Eve? What amount of time, days, weeks, and months did they spend dating each other? So where did we get this idea of dating from? Culture. Oh, yeah, that was at the beginning. They didn't need to. I mean, da, 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 da. Oh, I, I really hear you. Let's leave Adam. That was at the beginning. How long was the dating and courtship of Isaac and Rebecca? And that was one marriage that lasted throughout life. Even when the wife died, he refused to marry again. Showing us that from the beginning, all that God intended is one man, one wife for a lifetime. Not one man, one wife at a time. For a lifetime except they do them part. Do you understand me? Even Isaac, after Rebekah died, remained focused on Jacob, on whatever will happen, and sending forth and believing God for Jacob to return, did not go look for another person. Oh, well, that is Isaac and Rebekah. We are not really sure because the father was involved. Oh, you don't want to involve your parents. We are all of a sudden old man. And you are current. If you don't agree to that, say, well, that's Isaac and Rebekah. How about Joseph and Asenath? Joseph became prime minister of Egypt at the age of 30, and it was the day he came out of prison that he became father to Pharaoh, ruler over all Egypt, that Pharaoh gave him a wife. Same day. His name, Asenath, it means misfortune. And Joseph did not say, your name scares me. He knew how to turn misfortune to fortune. How? He first gave birth, she gave birth to the first child, and he called his name Forget. God has made me to forget the labor of my father's house. The second child came, he called his name Fruitful. I shall be fruitful in the land. That if you are not going to forget past hurts, past wounds, you will enter into misfortune big time. But if you know how to release forgiveness and let go, you will bring fruitfulness into what looks like misfortune will become fortune. But it wasn't Joseph's choice. And there was no dating. Okay. How about Moses? He was a refugee. He ran away from Egypt. He got, <laughs> and his father-in-law gave him one of the daughters. Oh, well, this is modern time. That's why we are in trouble. <laughs> God does not have a say in what you are doing. Your parents don't have a say in what you are doing. It's all your choice. But you know what? You are coming back home when your fingers are burnt. God forbid that that will be your portion. This is my humble submission. If you are going to do it God's way, he deliberately positioned you within a family to offer you direction and protection that when the most critical decision is about to be made in your life, God is number one priority. Your parents are guiding you in it. And at the end of the day, it is a collective choice, not yours alone. 
I like to be honest. I met a girl in the university. Brilliant. Good. Everything. Blah. Everything you're looking for. So I decided to go and introduce her to my mother. I said, my mother, I'd met a person uh, I thought I would marry then. I said, ah, okay, ah, she's nice, wonderful, you are most welcome. She left, my mother said, where is she from? I said, Ijebu, hello there, Dago, very good. Ijebu, the university, you have entered Bush. Can't you see? I said, ma'am, what can't I see? He said, that's not your wife. How do you know? I know you. Hmm? Uh-huh. That's why I wrote a whole book dedicated to her, the woman who saw the future, valuable lessons my mother taught me. But we have gotten to a place where our parents don't even have a say in who we marry. Young people, my heart is beating fast for you. I pray you will not crash. So this morning, uh, let's navigate a little. In the few minutes we have left, I've laid the foundation. Do you agree with the submission? Why do you think God created the institution of marriage? Would you help me, ma? Why? To serve him. Yes, ma'am. God bless you, really good. Listen, why did you think God created that institution? Every marriage, almost everyone that I've attended, the preacher will man the rostrum and say, marriage was created for man's comfort, for man's companionship, and to avoid sin so that we can raise children. If that was God's purpose, then he could create all of us at the same time. We have forgotten that everything God created was for his pleasure. Primarily, we sing this song. For you created everything. They were created by you and they were for your pleasure. Revelation 4, 11. Everything was created for his pleasure. And we think marriage is just for us. No, God has a primary purpose. He said, I want to see the residue of the spirit Therefore, you cannot deal anyhow with the wife of your youth. He has a purpose. He has a stake in the matter. He wants to see godly offspring raised on the face of the earth. He wants this earth occupied by righteous people. Anyone young yet to date, yet to go into courtship, I'm not trying to discourage you. Somebody must talk to you. Somebody must blow the whistle. I'm trying to gauge his temperature, because chosen is getting to that place, <laughs> little by little. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to walk into another man's house and take their daughters. <laughs> Yours also will be taken. Can I hear? Amen. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know why the foundation is being prolonged. I watched a video recently that went viral, and I saw that the enemy is trying to bring again a pagan culture into Christian homes. In the video, the man preaching said, woman was created for man. And I said, huh? If you look at Genesis chapter two, he said, it is not good for man to, I will make him a helper suitable for him. I will make him. Therefore, woman was made for man. And he said, do you know the meaning of the word husband? 
It means master. Oh, yes, it was a video that went viral. And I sat glued there and I said, oh, my God, this is how pagan culture enters the church. We have forgotten that they were created on the same day. They were both created same day. Let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. Oh, well, in the kingdom of Ahasuerus, when Queen Vashti rebelled against her husband, the counselor said... Every man was a master of his own house. Pagan culture. Oh, and so, where, where, but even Sarah called Abraham Lord. So what's the difference? Big difference. Very big difference. You want to know the difference? That was not just culture. That was the character of a person who is submitted to the other. Submission is not subjugation. No. Submission means our mission in life is become a subsidiary of his and his mission in life is become a subsidiary of hers because it is to submit one to another in the fear of God. It's not master-servant relationship. A man who, like your pastor, loves his wife dearly. Yes, sir. I know. Because <laughs> he talks to me more about you than anything else. I know you, you have occupied the center stage of our life next to God. Do you understand me? So if a man unequivocally, without reserve, without loves his wife, you don't need to demand respect. Do you know when we're being raised, our mothers did not call our fathers by name? Tola, I didn't hear that. And I'm not saying, please, don't call your husband Jack. Call your husband what you like. But my mother did not. And my father did not call her by name also. They have something, some other name they give to themselves. And when God begins to bless them with children, say, Mama Bola, I stopped calling my wife Lide. When Fisar said, Lide, I said, Oh, oh, <laughs> I need to change. <laughs> Do you understand me? Because you just, just Lide, she, that was what? I was calling her. It's not wrong to do that. But listen to this. Please, I beg you by the message of God. Let's bring God back into our home. If Abraham was the master of that house, when it came to Agar and Ishmael, who told the other one what to do? Talk to me. It was Sarah. Who accepted? It was Abraham. And when it was time to kick both of them out, who said they must be out? Sarah, what did God say? He said, listen to the voice of your wife. Why do you think you are in charge? <laughs> A pastor was preaching the other day. He said, every man here who is not controlled by your wife, stand to your feet. All the men sat. <laughs> he said, I want to repeat my question a second time. Every man here who is not controlled by his wife, stand up. And one man stood up. And the pastor said, what a feat. How did you accomplish this? He said, my wife just told me to get up. <laughs> Harmony Christian Center, I appeal to you by the message of God to firmly close the doors of your church and your godly homes against pagan culture. Amen. Can I hear Amen. amen. Even in that culture, pastor, in that culture where 
Memochans and the counselors of the king said, let Vasha be pushed out. Let there be a competition amongst women. Let's get one and let every man be master of his own house. If that culture could stand, if honor could be legislated, then when Haman got home and was talking to his wife about Mordecai, she should not have any opinion against the interest of her husband. She said, if Mordecai be the seed of the Jew, before whom you have started falling, you will not prevail against him. He will prevail against you. That will be dishonor. But they can take things out of context and sell to us. And we all will be going, I'm the master of this house. Master, we are joint heirs. We form a power union. And therefore, we provide umbrella of protection over our children and our children's children. Because we keep the word of God at the center of our home. Can I spend 15 minutes to talk to my young folks? Mm. If you are yet to be married, let me see your hand. Please. Okay. <laughs> I want to see it again. You are yet to be married. Okay. You are yet to be engaged and, and all those things. And you are trusting God to guide you. And you need the wisdom of your parents. Uh, okay. Every Saturday and sometimes during the week, in cities all over the world, London inclusive, <laughs> study eye couples, join hands, say vows, exchange rings, and make promises they have every intention of keeping, but with little or no preparation for doing so. These newlyweds mean well. I doubt if there are many instances, examples of those who just want to deceive and cheat and take advantage of, especially in the church. They mean well. What informs their decision most times is feelings. They think love is feeling. Oh, I started very early with his feeling. For about the age of 10, I saw a black lady in my elementary school, and something in me was just radiating. And I took a scarf, and I took it home. I covered my face all night long. I was having feelings. <laughs> I was privileged to join a couple and to bless them in Italy recently. And I asked the man, do you know your wife? So yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I said, may I humbly ask you again? Do you really know her? He said, of course I know her. Um, I said, okay. How would she cope with pregnancy? He said, I don't know. <laughs> what is she going to be like when she's fully loaded? He said, I don't know. When children start coming, how will she handle them? She said, I don't know. I said, what do you know? <laughs> These young people go into marriage with lots of feelings, lots of emotions. They do not know that love is a decision, not feeling. And it's a decision that must be backed with action. And there will be no appropriate action without preparation. Unfortunately, most couples are not prepared. 
they're just full of promises. I promise to be with you till the end of time. I promise to love you. I promise to care for you. I promise to provide for you. I, uh, and in some cases, you do not need crystal ball <laughs> to predict the future of many of our young people. I'll give you three or four scenarios, and I'll begin to draw down. Can the bird and the fish marry? Who said no? Why are you so quick to say no? The bird stays on the tree and says, I do. The fish comes out of water and says, I do. Once they say, I do, they are married. But where would they live? I'm using animal kingdom. I'm coming home gradually. <laughs> Can the lion and the goat marry? They're both on the ground. Can they? Have you seen lion and goat marrying recently? <laughs> and one ending up in the belly of the other? Why do you think men kill their wives for insurance? One is a lion, the other is a goat. Why do you think they kill themselves? Okay, let's leave lion and goat alone. I'm just drawing parallels. Can two goats marry? They are both goats. <laughs> but in my hometown, they said two goats cannot drink from one bowl. They will cheer the bowl. And let's go to the bird kingdom. Can the vulture and the dog marry? I can pick from the Bible the characteristics I've just described from animal kingdom. For example, Abigail and Nabal. It was a vulture and a dog. Hmm. And why did Abigail fall for Nabal, a childish, foolish man? Why? Because he did not examine the content of character. He examined the family compound. Nabal was from the household of Caleb. They're from good family. Caleb was a man of faith. So Nabal, I mean, Abigail will come. She's from the household of Caleb, then they must be good in their family. No, no, shine your eyes, investigate before you invest. Don't buy a pig in the pork. Let's get to brass tacks. Are you ready? Tell your neighbor, shine your eyes, investigate before you invest. My dear friends, especially the young ones, just before you enter into a relationship, or make commitment that will be detrimental to your destiny and your future, lend me your ears. I'll say a few things and I close. In the realm of relationships, unlike any other arena of life, we operate from the premise that a promise replaces the need for preparation. Unfortunately, many of us are guilty of that. We think a person promising you, I will always be there for you. And who shows a level of devotion is always at your doorstep. Is always opening the door. Is always there for you. You think those promises of I will be there for you can replace preparation. Have you checked whether that person is really prepared for marriage? Young folks, that's why God gave you parents. They've been through it. It was John Agee who said, mothers always cry on the wedding day of their daughters because daughters end up marrying the type of their fathers. So we find a couple who promise, vow, or commit themselves into a successful future, but without adequate preparation, experience in other areas of life. Show me a football coach who would take 
promise for practice. So the guy promised, he looks athletic. He promises to really score goals, but he has not been proven. They are in practice. I'm not talking about kissing and no. I'm not asking to. <laughs> I'm not asking you to practice wrong things. Uh -huh. Someone said to me, eh, Daddy, we really did not do anything. We just kissed. I said, that's wonderful. You're forgetting that prelim is part of degree. <laughs> it's just like that. And if it's a peck on the kiss, it's called holy kiss. Greet yourself with holy kiss. Mm -hmm. It's okay. <laughs> By the time you begin, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in Harmony Christian Center. Let's harmonize. Amen? <clears throat> Good students know they must study in order to pass exams. But how can feelings and cloud nine mentality uh, just guide and become our personal relational skill? I know what I feel for her. I know what I feel for him. Feeling? God checked the word emotion very well. And one of the best books I've read on this is by Joyce Mayer. Is that your emotions is a part of you that goes to negotiate independent of you and conclude the deal without letting you know. Mm. You just wake up and find out that everything is messed up. I'm seeing some sisters looking at me funny, so I will stop. In every area of life, brothers and sisters, preparation is the key to success. Most people are content to commit. Very few people prepare. Very few people prepare. One day I was listening to one of my sons on the phone. He was talking to a friend, whether male or female, I don't know. And he was, you don't talk to me like that. And I tapped the door. I said, who are you talking to that way? Those who are upset are not said by God. We all have emotions. I'm trusting God to help me with mine. You don't want to see my anger. She, Lord, I thank you. I now can say I'm born again. If you see my tempestuous anger, you not buy me for a dime. Only for the world to show me that anger lies in the bosom of a fool. Let me raise some posters as I close. Hopefully this will help you to navigate. Saying I do does not make a person capable. It only makes him or her accountable. Standing before man of God and God and saying, I do, does not make you capable. It only makes you accountable in that relationship. And here's the problem. When you are accountable for something you are not capable of, you will eventually be miserable. You as friends and perhaps family members who are presently married to someone who is prepared to reciprocate, and someone who is not prepared to reciprocate their love, ask them how miserable they are. Making promise, I do, I do, does not make that person capable. A promise is not a substitute for preparation. It isn't. Well, the guy is good at playing football. Wonderful. You are looking at money that he will earn. You are not looking at his character, his ability. His, his, do you understand me? Look, we think like... If there is a home you are going into, as it was in the beginning, God gave an address to Adam before he brought him a wife. If a man has an address that is his own and he has a home, you think that's all. 
there is need for, the Bible does not say a boy will marry a girl. Therefore, a man, I don't want to push this too far. I think Pastor Wale and Pastor Runke and this, their touched anniversary are just about to start life. You don't understand. This is the age Joseph began to rule. This is the age David began to rule. This is the age John the Baptist began. His, this is the age Jesus entered Jordan. At 30, they would have seen something and said, oh my God, thank you for helping us through these storms. We didn't know days. Now, they will become an asset to you to guide you not to make the same blunder. The key to success in life is making a good choice. And you can only make a good choice if you have experience. And I don't want you to please know that the best way to acquire experience is not through mistakes. Because once you make mistakes and burn your fingers, there will be no place to put any ring on. Your fingers are burnt. Preparation cannot be replaced by promise. Do we accept that? Okay. There's a Bible passage that will help you and I, and that's the only one I want to quote today. It was spoken by a wise man who burnt his finger several times. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. I'll take three words out of that passage to help us. Proverbs 14, 15. It reads, and I quote, the simple, can you read with me? Ready? Read. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Let's read it one more time. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. How are you going to judge whether the person making a promise is prepared? Use this scripture. There are three critical words in that one scripture. The first word there is simple. You know the meaning of simple? Naive. Naive, that's what it means. Not mature, naive. The simple believes every word. Oh, he has told me, uh, <laughs> you know one stupid thing we all do. Don't people change? When you bring us, can't you see this? And don't people change, mom? That was his past. Ah, the past is an indicator of what will happen in the future. The simple. The simple believes every word. Simple means naive. And naive people can either yield themselves to wisdom or to foolishness. What did I just say? Naive people, simple people, can either yield themselves to wisdom or to foolishness. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Verse 1. Listen to wisdom, and then you find fully that they are looking for the same type of people. That both foolishness and wisdom are looking for simple people. Wisdom has built our house. Can I hear amen? amen. This is <laughs> perfect finish. Wisdom has built a house. She has hewn out as seven pillars. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, because naive people lack understanding. She says to him, 
Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. When naive people yield to wisdom, it ends up in life and understanding. Do you understand me? When naive, immature, people who lack understanding yield to the way of wisdom, it produces knowledge, understanding, and life. The same market is what foolishness will also come and advertise its product. I've just said to you what wisdom did. He advertised his product. Everything is ready. If you have wisdom, you have all things. Jesus is wisdom personified. If you choose me, you have wisdom to order your life. If you choose me, you have wisdom to navigate through life. Choose wisdom. With all that getting, get understanding. Wisdom is a principal thing. Everything is made ready and encapsulated in wisdom. If you yield a naive, immature person and send them to the school of wisdom and he listens to parental guide, not, I'm not talking of parents who, who must force their wish on their children, but who train, teach, and present things to them so, and let them know the consequences of every decision and action. If they choose wisdom, then it will produce life. Let's look at foolishness. Same Proverbs chapter 9. You don't need to travel too far. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13. Listen to foolishness. Let's look at who foolishness is looking for. A foolish woman is clamorous. She's simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call those who pass, who go straight on their way. Who is you looking for? Those who are going straight already. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And it's for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of hell. A naive person who yields to foolishness is going to the depth of hell. So this is why it is critical that church must raise new standards, that families must raise new standards to start training their children before they get to that stage of making a decision. If they make a right decision, you will live in peace. If they make a wrong decision, you will partake of their trouble. The second word there is critical is the word prudent. Prudent. What does he mean, prudent? What does prudent mean? A prudent person is someone who understands that life is connected. That today's decisions have implications for tomorrow's reality. Prudent people understand that what we do today is a good indication of how we will behave tomorrow. One naive people tend to view events in isolation. And that was one of, he just did that, he just slapped me. Hey, Jim, are you? He was just angry, and uh, I've forgiven him. Uh, matrimonial boxing ring. You need to go and buy, what, gloves. The prudent personals are the best indicator of the future behavior is past behavior. Leopards don't change their sports, and snakes will ever crawl on their belly till they die. The book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 18. 
Are you ready to read with me? You look so pretty. Do they tell you that? You're so wonderful. You look pretty. You have it all together. Brain, brawn, beauty. You are triple B. Mm. Uh, triple B simply is my daughter's nickname. Brain, beauty, and brawn. Okay. There are three things which are wonderful for me. This is Solomon, one of his contemporaries, called Agor. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four which I do not understand. They are wonderful, but I don't understand them. What are they? The way of an eagle in the air. Hello. Eagles don't fly. They soar. Winds carry them. Do you understand me? <laughs> the way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent on a rock. Hamejo. Shem. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. Go do a cruise. You will understand this one. That gigantic vessel is standing on water moving. That, look, you drop iron, drop your phone. It will sink instantly. But this vessel, as big as it is, being tossed to and fro, is just cruising. And then he said, the way of a man with a virgin. So you are going to lose your head. She pretty good. You don't think anymore. Even if your head is crying, danger, 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 you'll be feeling sad and you shh, it's okay. This is what kills something. You don't listen anymore. But what is a guy that God had given to a young man or a young woman? Verse 17 is a guide. <laughs> verse 17 precedes verse 18. Proverbs 30, 17. Thank you. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. It was after that he had started saying, because God gives you parents to protect, to guide you, to help you. It was Abraham who made the decision for who the wife of Isaac will be. Well, do you, do you want to dictate to your children? I'm not dictating. God is dictating to me and I'm dictating to them. So the dictation I receive is what I give to them and I expect them to pass it to their children that way too. Am I going to force them to marry? No. But I let them know what God makes available to me. Before Jacob fell in love with Rachel, Esau had married four women. They came from the same womb. The last word there is steps. Steps. The term steps in that verse refers to direction. You know the future direction of a thing by connecting the dots of where the said thing has been. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, the future is always potential. The past is measurable and observable. So the past makes the future predictable. All that Solomon is trying to say to us young people today is prudent people wise, I mean prudent people, wise men and women put very little stock in promises. They look at preparation. How prepared is this person? I was counseling a couple a few days ago, Pastor. The husband has no job. And they want to marry in November. He's doing IT at home. 
It's into software development. I said, okay, uh, this software development, have you marketed it? Oh, no, no, it's still under design. Okay. And so I'm going to sell it for a billion when I finish. I said, billion? Yeah. He said, there's a company like that. They sold their own for billion. Uh, so how many times did they try before they were accepted? And the woman is saying, hey, sir, I can't see financial security here. I think this is deadly. I think we need to be apart for a while. I think we need to just find these things out because I don't know how we'll cater for children when we cannot cater for ourselves. And the guy is saying, God will provide. Let me close with this. Whenever you take a step of faith, the world can look at it and say you are mad. That's fine because it's a step of faith. They can connect to it. It's a step of faith. I accept that. I've lived my life that way. Whenever you take a step of faith, the world can look at it and say you are mad. But please don't do my things and call it faith. Let us pray. No, please don't do my things and call it faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the entrance of a word that brings light and understanding to the simple. I ask in the name of Jesus that every single person, every child, every young person in this room, this will receive this word and be guided by them in the name of Jesus Christ. You put them into families so that they can have direction, they can have security, they can have assurances that they will make right decisions. Holy Spirit, help them in their decision making. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. We'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message. Please do call us on plus 44-208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org. The UK. May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again. God bless you.